Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. What do you think of when, when you think of worship? What comes to your mind? Music, singing, prayer, praise. What about um, God's will? When you think about God's will for, for us in our life, what, what do you think of? That one's harder. What do you do? Say that again. All of his blessings, okay. What, what do you do when you are stuck between two decisions? When you have this, this A decision and this B decision and, and you sit there, have you had those moments when you're like, okay, God, what is your will? Is it this one or is it this one? Tell me. And then you give yourself this like paralysis because you're sitting there trying to distinguish which one do I go with because I want to choose God's will. Anybody ever experienced that situation? I'm not alone. That's, that's good to know. The, that question has always bothered me of what is God's will for our life. And, and as Christians, we're supposed to know what God's will is for our life, but yet that can be such a difficult thing to do mixed with this idea of worship and what it looks like. And we, we just spent so much time talking about the meaning of life and how that is to reflect God's love back to all of creation. But then we mix in God's will for our lives and his plan for us. And this morning, I wanna look at that question. What is God's will? And the Apostle Paul gives us the answer to that. And the, the verses that we're going to look at, we've actually looked at before, but I want to read them again and talk about them from a different angle, a different perspective. And this is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying that we will be able to know God's will. We'll be able to test and approve it when we are transformed. And he says that transformation begins or comes through our worship. And he says in true proper worship is when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Stated in, in a different way, as we sacrifice ourselves through worship, we are then transformed, and as we are transformed, we are now able to understand and know what God's will is in, in all of creation. But it all starts with this concept of, of worship and sacrifice, which is a spiritual habit, this idea of, of worship and sacrifice. And that's the spiritual habit we are looking at today, worship and sacrifice. And when we think about those things, we have to remember that we hear the Bible different than the original people heard scripture scripture heard what Paul was writing and to the early Jewish community that heard sacrifice they they heard something very specific because Jewish tradition taught that all people were sinful and that the way that you are the way that you pay for your sins was by sacrificing animals and they would bring these animals before the priests and the priests would basically stand in the gap 
between the people and God to offer this sacrifice. And they would take this animal, they would kill it. They would slaughter this animal, blood would be spilled, they would burn it, and they would pray over it. And that is how your sins were atoned for. That's how your sins were made right. So if you did harm to one another, you, you said something, I'm thinking about last night, I yelled at my kids, and so now I deserve to find this animal to slaughter so that my sins would be taken care of. And that was Jewish tradition. That is what the Jews did. And so when they hear this, they would have thought that immediately, that offering yourself as a living bodily sacrifice would mean that you would personally be killed, that your blood would be spilled, that you would be set on fire and prayed over except Paul is not stating that that's exactly what we have to do because we know that we don't have to make sacrifices anymore because of what Jesus did. The book of Hebrews in chapter seven says that, that Jesus took over the role of that high priest. Uh, chapter seven, verse 26 says, such a high priest is talking about Jesus, truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from the sitters, sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he, being Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And that is good news, so we do not have to continually sacrifice. But but yet Paul still talks about this. And the difference between Jesus and the, the old high priest is that, that the old high priest, they had to continually do this because they themselves were sinful, but Jesus was not sinful. And he made the ultimate sacrifice for us, for our sins, so that now all we have to do is offer our bodies as a living sacrifice back to him. And this is a different type of sacrifice. It's not necessarily a blood sacrifice, but then the question is, what type of sacrifice are we supposed to offer? How does that relate when it comes to worship? And when we look at Jesus's life, we begin to see what that sacrifice looks like. Jesus tells us in John 15 that, that love has no greater than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend, for one's brother, for someone else, that there is no greater love than when you sacrifice yourself for someone else. And Jesus fully sacrificed himself. He made a blood sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we didn't have to. He became that slaughtered lamb once and for all so that we don't have to. However, we also see that Jesus did more than that. It was more than just a blood sacrifice. He, he often sacrificed his own time to be with people. He got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciple in service or sacrifice to them. He sacrificed his, his time, his well-being to offer hospitality, to heal people. He went out of his way to tell people about God, knowing that he could be stoned at any moment. Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to show love to other people. People. And in the same way, this is what it looks like for us to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, which is ultimately worship. But then we come back to that idea of worship and what exactly is worship? What does that mean? And for us in the church, you all gave great answers. For, for us in the church, we often, the first thing we think about is music. 
We think about music. Well, that, that is worship. Like the songs that we sang a moment ago, if we think about our church service today, we would say that was the worship. Now we have a, a message. And then if we have a song at the end, we'll go back to worship. We, we, we think about worship and music being the same thing. That's, that's just how people in the church are raised to think. I'm not saying that's wrong or right, just that's the culture of church. Those outside of church, when they think of worship, they probably think about bowing down and chanting to some statue that, that is in front of them. That, that is what the culture does. You watch any type of movie where they are, they are worshiping some type of a cult or something, that is what you see. But worship is much more than that. Worship is much more than music, than bowing down, than chanting, than praying. And we may not realize it, but we actually worship a lot of different things throughout our day. Worship is not necessarily something that we reserve for a, a God, a deity, or, or something that we place higher like, like another human or, or a prophet. Think about how people will often worship celebrities. You know what I'm talking about, how they will worship and they will celebrate these celebrities in an act of, of worship. Worship is really an action. It, it's, it's a verb. It's this action of spending time and resources focused on something. Today, do you know what today is? Today is the big football game. And we see many people that worship football. I saw a meme a few weeks ago that, that's going to be up on the screen. It says, men will watch a sports game, then immediately after watch all the highlights of the said game, then the next day we'll watch four different shows and listen to three different podcasts, analyzing and giving opinions on the game, and this is for every single game. That right there is worship. And now I'm not a big sports fan. And, and I know that we all here are kind of a mixed group. Some of us like sports, some of us don't. And so I, I checked with some of my friends that are sports people. I checked with Pastor Jeff and I said, because he's a huge sports person. I said, hey, is this, is this true? And they said, yes, that is 100% accurate for any type of fan. The average fan, let's just talk about football. The average football fan spends 10 hours a week in football watching, listening, talking about it, 10 hours a week. That is the average fan. Now you add in fantasy football. Anybody in here play fantasy football? No? Okay. Well, some other people somewhere play fantasy football. <laughs> I don't either, so it's, it's okay. Those that play fantasy football are closer to 20 to 30 hours every week because they are watching every single game and doing all of this. That is worship. And, and what's really funny is that it's, it's actually not funny, but according to recent statistics, that is more time and energy than the average American Christian spends focused on, on church or spiritual activities or God. The average American Christian goes to church about twice a month and spends on average three minutes a week doing spiritual things, that's, that's prayer or doing different things. This is the average, hopefully you all are above average, but this is the average, which means the average American Christian spends 45 minutes a week doing spiritual activities. Compare that to those that the average football fan spends 10 hours. You watch one football game and it's two hours and that right there is more than the average person focuses on God. 
talk about worship. And we could really apply this to any category. Think about anything that you spend your time and focus and resources on. I could ask this question, how much time in your week do you spend on gossip and criticism? Do you spend more than 45 minutes judging other people? Talk about worship. Worship is an action. It, it, it's a verb. It's something that we do, which means that it's also found in our routines, our daily routines. For example, let's talk about work. The average American works 40 hours a week. And for those that work in the office, I know it's a new world and we don't all work in the office, but when you do work in the office or somewhere outside of your home, you then have a routine to get ready for work. You probably wake up and at least for me, I would wake up and then I would say, do I really have to get out of bed? Can I just call in sick today? You'd have that battle to get out of bed. And then, then maybe you take a shower, you put on makeup, you put on your clothes. Um, Wayne puts on lots of makeup to get ready for his job, right? I'm just kidding. Just a little bit. Yeah, you're welcome. You, I did. You look, you look great today. And then, and then you usually sit in traffic, right, for a bit. And maybe you're listening to a radio station. Maybe it's a talk show, a podcast. But you have this morning routine. You, for me, it's drinking a lot of coffee in the morning. That is my morning routine. We have these routines. And then we spend all day at work. And then we come home and we have our evening routine where we have to unwind from work, where we have to relax. We have to eat dinner, get the kids all together, give them a bath, put them to bed so that we can rest, just so that we can wake up and do it all over again. It is this constant routine. And all of those constant routines, those little things that we do, they begin to shape us. They form us into a certain people. Routines are a form of worship because they... They focus our attention on something and they, they shape us. And I'm not saying that they are all bad. My, my point is that routines are worship. They are a form of worship. And how we worship, how we spend our days, what we are focusing on, what our routines are, those are the things that shape us. Think of it like food. When you eat food, we all know that we need food in order to survive. We all know that we get to choose what it is that we eat and those decisions of what we eat impact our lives, right? If you eat unhealthy, you will then be unhealthy. If you eat really expensive food, then you now have no money for anything else. Those decisions shape us. They either shape our physical selves, they shape our financial beings. And a lot of the times when we think about food, we, we don't even remember what things we ate. We don't remember what we spent money on. Do you all remember what you had for lunch on Tuesday? Yeah? What'd you have? Sandwich. It's the same thing every day. Uh -huh. And it's a sandwich every day. That's a routine. You are shaped by the routine of eating a sandwich every day. But it's a different kind of sandwich every day. What about breakfast yesterday? What did you all have for breakfast yesterday? A bagel and coffee. 
these things, and, and you think about them, food is often so insignificant. We, we hardly remember what it is. You can't remember what it was a couple of years ago. There are moments where you do remember this fantastic meal that you had. I, I always remember when we have the best brisket ever, when we go to different places, or we have a friend that smokes when it is phenomenal, and I can remember that, but those are far and few between that you actually remember those things, but yet it's all these insignificant choices you make just on food that shape who we are because it's the constant everyday things that shape us into who we are, that shape us and control our health and our well-being. And worship is the exact same way. Sometimes we, we think about all the different things in a worship. We can recall the best worship experience that we had. Maybe it was a music, a song, a, a time that you were just, you fell to your knees and it was this fantastic experience in this music worship. Maybe it was this moment of prayer for you. You can remember those things, but sometimes you can't. And whether you realize it or not, we are shaped from all of these things. And so if I were to ask you right now to write out your schedule, for your week, starting from Sunday morning until Saturday evening, if you wrote out every single thing that you do, what would you find? What are you spending your time doing? Where is all of your energy going? How much in that time of that week, seven days, 24 hours a day for seven days, how much of that time is focused on God? How much of that time is focused on things opposite of God? Gossip, TV, reading, riding a bike, trying to think of all the things that we do. In this Romans passage that we read, Paul says that worship is what transforms us and helps us discern God's will for our lives. And he starts by stating that we must offer ourselves as a sacrifice, which basically means to make us available to God because we don't have to literally sacrifice us. It's not necessarily a literal sacrifice, but rather a relational one that we do with God. God desires a relational sacrifice. He desires our time. He desires our focus. He, he wants to embrace our entire life from Sunday to Saturday, not just moments, not just an interruption of church on a Sunday to interrupt your morning routine going into Super Bowl. He doesn't just want that interruption. He wants your entire life to be all about worship. This is what true worship is. When you dedicate your time, your resources, your money on something, and God wants that. And it is through that sacrifice, and it is a sacrifice. I can't tell you how often I would rather be lazy on the couch watching TV rather than reading my Bible or spending time in prayer. It is a sacrifice sometimes to do those things and focus on God when your brain is completely fried. It is this type of sacrifice that is worship. And it is this type of worship that begins to transform us, allowing us to discern and understand what God's will is for our lives. And again, worship is much more than just music. It is prayer. It is time. It's conversations with other people. It's going outside and just looking at the beauty of creation. 
It's, it's helping other people in need. It's sharing a meal with someone. It's any type of action that you are doing with a focus on God. That would be a godly worship. Any action you do, even if today you go watch the Super Bowl with someone else, if you can find a way to focus on God in that, that is a godly worship. It is through our daily sacrifice where we deny our selfish desires, our laziness in order to love one another and love God, that we begin to worship God, that we begin to be transformed and understand what God's will is. But then the question is, what is God's will? That, that question we often make more difficult than it needs to be. We tend to give ourselves this paralysis of trying to, to decide, is it A or is it B that God wants for my life? Or we, we spend that time and we say, no, this is God's will. And you step into that, that will of God's that you feel like, but then all of a sudden it feels like a door just got slammed in your face. And you say, I know this was God's will. So why is it now being closed on me? What did I do wrong? We often make this idea of God's will much more difficult and complicated than it actually needs to be. Paul right here makes it extremely easy for us. In verse two, he says that we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. First, God's will is good, meaning that it is free from evil or wrongdoing. He, his will is always to do something good. It's always to choose love over evil, love over sin. If you see someone drop a $100 bill, you now have a choice. Do you keep that for yourself or do you turn that back in? God's will would be for you to turn that back in rather than harm that individual when they later realize that they don't have the $100. It's to choose good acts, to choose good things. God's will is always good. It is never to do something evil. It is never to do something that is out against love. God's will is always good. It is always love. Second, God's will is always pleasing meaning that we, we know we are doing God's will because it brings us a, a joy that we can't describe. It, it's a righteous joy. There is something extremely pleasing about God's will. There is nothing more rewarding than, than doing good, than helping someone in need, than using our gifts that God has given us to further the kingdom. And then you immediately begin to feel how pleasing it is when you help somebody carry fertilizer onto their truck. You feel how pleasing it is and you get so excited that you just want to tell people. And now I want to be really quick here to state, I am not stating that God's will is whatever pleases you or provides you with pleasure. That is not what I am saying. It's usually the opposite of what provides you with pleasure. Because what provides you with pleasure is often sinful things. Doing sinful things gives you these sinful pleasures. And I'm saying it is the complete opposite. It, it's doing good for other people, which usually means that we are denying our self-pleasure. Again, that is the daily sacrifice. We are denying ourselves pleasure so that we can do good for someone else, which eventually becomes pleasing to us because we are doing God's will. Ministry 
which, which is really just the idea of being and sharing the gospel. Ministry, when you be Jesus, when you share Jesus, ministry is almost always inconvenient. Ministry is almost always inconvenient. Helping other people is usually inconvenient for yourself. It takes time and energy, money. I said earlier, I would much rather stay on the couch and be lazy than get up and help somebody move. It is inconvenient. It happens at the worst possible times when your day is booked crazy with all the different things that you have to do and you see someone in need. Or it's inconvenient because somebody asks you for money and you're like, well, I was really going to use this $5 to, to go to McDonald's, but actually, I don't think you can get anything at McDonald's for $5 anymore, but you can go to a vending machine and get a little can of Coke for $5. Um, but it's always inconvenient or usually, but it's still pleasing to God. God's will is pleasing. God's will is good. It is not evil. It is good. It chooses love and it is pleasing. Third, God's will is perfect. Meaning that when we follow God's will, we will begin to experience completeness in Christ. We experience love made perfect in us, doing what God's desired for us. His, his plan for our lives on earth means that we are doing what, what he has called us to do. He has given us each gifts and strengths and called us to use those things. And as we use those things, Christ is perfected in us. Love is perfected in us. That's what First John says, that, that God's love is made perfect in us as we worship, as we rely on the Holy Spirit. Spirit. God's will is perfect because it makes us one with Christ. It perfects Jesus in us. In other words, if I put all this together, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is that we would love God and love others. And it is through loving one another that God's will is actually fulfilled. Here's another way to think about it. Instead of asking, what is God's will? Instead of approaching a situation and saying, is this God's will? Is this God's will? Instead of asking, what is God's will? And, and putting that on God to make a choice for you, we, we should rather ask, which choice would further my growth in grace? Which choice would make me most useful to God? Which choice would allow me to love God and love others in the best way? For example, if you were trying to decide between two careers, career A and career B, rather than spending all of your time trying to figure out, God, do you want me in career A or career B? And finding out that he probably is going to give you a choice to choose anyway, but you sit there spinning your wheels and, and you give yourself paralysis and, and you just, you're up all night in all this stress trying to make the decision. Instead of that, ask yourselves, God, which career would allow me to be used by you better? Which career would allow me to grow in grace? Which career would allow me to express your love to those around me? Or maybe you're trying to buy a house and decide which house, wh God, where do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? Rather than putting God to, to answer a question between this house and this house, just ask which house would allow God to use you in the best way? Which house would allow you to love your neighbor in the best way? 
And this may seem like a small change, but it makes a world of a difference. When you begin to change the question from God, what is your will to God, what choice will allow me to fulfill your will? That type of thinking is what begins to transform us into people that always choose God's will because we know what is good and pleasing and perfect to God. We begin to see the world differently. Not that God has each and every one of our decisions perfectly laid out and it is our job in life to figure out which direction to go at any given time. Rather, we see God has gifted us and given us the ability to freely choose, but he desires us to choose what is perfect and pleasing and good for him, which is always to choose love, loving God and loving others. This is true worship. And this is what Paul means when he says that as we worship and focus on God, meaning as we, as we daily sacrifice ourselves for other people in love, we will begin to be transformed into people that just naturally embody God's will. That we will just naturally choose what God's will is because we have become people through our daily routines, that we have been, become people that are shaped into people of love, that we choose to sacrifice our needs sometime to show care, hospitality, and love to someone else. That is true worship. True worship to God is nothing less than offering ourselves, our entire whole self to God, being willing to lay down ourselves, being willing to lay down and set aside our desires in order to love God and love others. So yes, music can be a way that we worship when we do it in a way that expresses love to God. There are some music songs that are not worship whatsoever. But when we use music to worship God, it is now worship. Prayer can be worship when we do it in a way that is loving God and loving others. Watching football today can be worship if you do it in a way to see God's beauty and to fellowship with one another in community. That can be worship. Brushing your teeth in the morning can be worship if you do it with a focus on God and the way that God has designed each and every tooth and you thank God for your smile. Anything that we can do can be worship when we focus on God the creator. We are called to worship nonstop, to worship in our lives. And you have no choice but to worship because we are human. We are creatures of habit. We have routines. If you don't choose to worship God, you will end up worshiping everything but God. It's more than just Sunday mornings. It's how we live our entire life. And how we live our entire life is what shapes and transforms us into the people that God wants us to be, into a people that knows what it means to be and share the gospel. Here's what it means for us today. God is calling us to worship. That happens through the small moments in our day. How we spend those small, seemingly insignificant moments, just like the small, insignificant choice of food, shapes us. So each morning that you wake up, this is my challenge for you this week. Every day that you wake up, I want you, the first thing that you do, before you question whether or not you should go to work or not, I want you to ask, how will I spend today in worship to God? Just ask that one question. How can I spend today in worship to God? And this might mean that you have to change some things in your life. 
You might have to stop doing some things that are against God, that are not worshiping God. Or it might mean that we need to begin to change the reason that we are doing certain things to, to change our focus onto God. And I believe that each of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have that thought in your mind of the things that you are currently doing that are against God. The things that you should be doing, but you are choosing not to be doing. They're on your mind. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit guides and convicts us and brings those to your mind. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can see enough heads shaking your head yes, that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those are the things that you need to start wrestling with God about. How can I get rid of those things in my life and replace it with something else? We're going to close with a song as a way for us to worship as a way for us to surrender, to, to sacrifice ourselves. And I'm gonna ask you to stand with us, to sacrifice your comfort of sitting in those extremely comfortable benches. To stand and offer your hearts to God. Pray with me. Father, we desire to do your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, I ask that as we leave this place, as we go about our day, that you would continue to remind us of your goodness, that we might open our eyes and actually see the things that you've created around us, the ways that you have blessed us. Help us be reminded of who you are. Give us the strength and courage we need to cut out the unhealthy things and replace it with good. Father, in this moment, we offer our hearts to you. pray this in your name. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.